church this morning for broadcast. We're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we are ministering on a subject called I'm Always Right. I'm Always Right, which is kind of a prickly subject because people don't want anybody around them that says, acts like, I'm always right. Do you all know those people? Uh, I've been accused of being one myself. Hallelujah. Well, yay. (laughs) Well, we're going to say this. This is this is this is who we are at River Church. The good news is the bad news is wrong. That's our that's our our point of attack, as it were. We're telling you the good news is what's the good news? The bad news, which is everywhere, is wrong. So, yay. Turn with me in your Bible to the scripture that, uh, gosh, he almost preached my whole message. Hallelujah. Barry did. But Proverbs chapter 28. I think he knew I was going there. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 28. We are ministering on the subject, I'm always right, which is very pr- provocative and might even be something you go, well, I don't even want to always be known as someone that's right. Sure you do. You just don't want to say what you're thinking. Hallelujah. Well, there's some, there's some, uh, to know, there's some certain essential things that you and I ought to know. And there's a whole long list of them, but I just picked out a couple. You ought to know your phone password. Y'all agree that's somewhat essential. You ought to know your phone password and other passwords for that instance. Uh, you ought to know where your car keys are. I've looked for my car keys a few times. I've looked for my phone a many a time. I used to have a home phone number, and the only reason I had it was nobody even knew I had it, but I would go get on that phone and find my phone, <laughs> find out where it was ringing. I did that all the time. When, when I got Deborah Ann, I, uh, you know, I got rid of that home phone. Uh, another thing you ought to know, men, is you ought to know your wife's birthday, and it's handy to know your anniversary. Just handy, just saying. I've noticed that. <laughs> another thing you ought to know is who you are in Christ Jesus. It's more valuable than your password and where your car keys. We need to know what happened at the new birth. And I'll tell you, most religious people, you'll ask them, what happened at the new birth? Well, that's when I got my ticket punched to go to heaven. So everything has to do with the afterlife. Everything has to do with after we died. So it's kind of funny, uh, ironic, you got to die before you can live. And that's what the Lord Jesus did for us. But he never intended for us to die physically or to die to uh, the things of the kingdom, waiting for heaven to happen. So in Proverbs 28, verse 1, we looked at that. Barry read it to us. The wicked flee. Let's read it together. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. Ready, read. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Well, yay. Yay. Well, we said the reason that the righteous bold as a lion is because the lion knows how it's going to turn out. He knows that there's, he's, he's not afraid of anybody. Now, they, they say an elephant can stomp him, so he's supposed to leave those guys alone, but he knows how it's going to turn out. What if we read it this way? What if we took the word wicked and turned it a little bit, because that word is translated a lot of things in the Hebrew. What if we said unrighteous? The unrighteous flee when no man pursueth. Would you all agree with that? That'd be the same as wicked or a sinner or someone. But what if we also said the righteous ignorant flee when no one pursueth? In other words, they're righteous, but they don't know they're righteous. Are they any less afraid than those that are not righteous? 
In other words, you're, if you're afraid all the time, there's a reason for it. So you could be righteous and say, I got this. I know how this is going to turn out. But if you didn't know you were righteous, and I went a lot of years in my Christian life, didn't even know there'd be such thing as being righteous. I knew Jesus was, but I never thought it went any further than that because, after all, he's the son of God. But then I found out that he divested himself of all his deity on the earth, and he walked as a man. He was tempted. You can't be tempted if you're divine. If you're, I mean, he is divine, but I mean, if you're, if you're not a mere man, he was born of a woman. And so he took on flesh like you and I have. He never sinned with it like we did or do, but uh, he knew he was righteous. So we'll put that in there. The wicked and the righteousness ignorant flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as the lion because they know how it turns out. We ought to know how everything turns out. And like Barry said, there's a lot of things on the, on the scope right now about our country and about the world in general and nuclear this and China that and all sorts of things that are going on. If you turn on the news and, and let your mind wander, you'll be fearful. It'll try to put fear in you because there is so much negative that's out there. It's all against us. And you can feel yourself try to buck up and try to uh, shield yourself from all of that. But it's hopeless because it's everywhere and it has a finality as far as the news is. But we're different. It's not that way for us. But it's because of what we know. Not because he just shines on us and, hurt, and uh, trouble can't get to us. It sure can. Because if you let your guard down, if you don't stay under that umbrella, if you don't stay righteous, conscious then you'll fall into the same exact place where the sinner is. You're going to go to heaven. At the end of it's good, better than the sinner. But here on earth, you'll have what we call old Billy. You'll just have a hard life waiting for heaven to come someday. Uh, Christians, I have found, are as, as afraid, if not more afraid, than regular people, sinners. Sinners kind of have a uh, uh, do it yourself, and uh, we gotta we gotta protect ourselves, and we gotta if we're gonna prosper, we gotta do this, even if it's under the table, even if it's not uh, uh, honest. They kind of have a built-in resilience, like it's up to me, and I'm gonna get it done. Whereas Christians kind of say it's up to God, but then they don't do anything to engage God, and so they have a worse life. In other words, if you're not always scheming and plotting and planning how to prosper or how to take uh, supplements, or wh whatever, whatever the world does. But you don't engage the promises. You don't engage the promises. You're just a Christian. You're just a regular person, but you're not, you, don't, uh, you don't do what the world does, and you don't do what the kingdom does. Actually, it could be worse for them. Wouldn't that be a shame? I know those people. They're very afraid. Some of the most afraid people I know, and maybe it's just because that's who I hang around with, they're Christians. They are petrified. They are paralyzed with fear. And you just, uh, out of the abundance of the mouth, uh, the heart speaks. You can tell what's in their heart by what they say. And they have no confidence in the Bible, in Jesus helping them. They have no confidence. It's as if it did not exist. It's as if someone gave them a pass to say, use this when you die and you'll go to heaven. And they're just holding on to that. But between now and then, everybody's in for themselves. Y'all know those people. And so they're afraid, and yet they're born again. 
They're in covenant with Almighty God. In covenant with, I mean, in agreement that he says, I will never break it. I will never loosen my grip on you. They are born again, children, children, sons and daughters of God himself. And yet they are paralyzed. They are just racked with fear. They're spirit filled. Many of them are spirit filled, uh, have been endued with power from on high. And yet their whole life reflects the world, the wicked, the ignorant, uh, the righteous ignorant. Do y'all know this, who I'm talking about? Uh, they are also church going. You go, really? They go to church and they're still afraid? Absolutely. They're, uh, I put down Bible toting. Without a G, of course. Bible toting. They got, their, they got the good book in tow. I'm going to church. But they're paralyzed. They're stricken with fear. Everything. They're real sensitive about it. I, I put down their prayer chaining. <laughs> if anything comes up, we're going to put it on the prayer chain. They're never miss a tithe, people. Now, one thing that aggravates me that uh, real, I realize that we're lacking in the whole kingdom is tithers that are afraid. Tithers, we're the most secure people in the world because we... We are reinforcing every time we have increase in our life. We are reinforcing by tithing. I'm connected to him. I'm connected to him. Like the Lord's table this morning. That's a way of saying I'm connected to him. Water baptism saying it's not a big deal in America, water baptism. But if you get over in a Muslim country and you get water baptized, they're after you and your family. Because of what that means. Well, it, it, it's accepted here, not as much as normal, but it's the same thing uh, over here. So um, never missed a tithe, never missed a church dinner. I'm talking about Christians that are just racked with fear. All the time singing the songs, you know, just as I am. And all the time, you know, it is well with my soul. But not meaning anything as soon as they leave that place where they're singing together, nothing's happening. And so these Christians are afraid of what I'm going to call any sudden move. If anything happens and COVID is happening, they are paralyzed. Well, we all ought to be mindful and safe and diligent and all those things. But you can be those things without being fearful. You can be in faith and yet be smart and be diligent to not give place to the devil. But not these people. They, they are going to church and saying uh, nothing but the blood and victory in Jesus. And yet, as soon as they get out the door, they are not. I'm not talking about being careful. They're paralyzed with fear. And saints, I'm going to say this morning, it ought not to be. We ought to be the answer for the for the world. We ought to be the, the shining light that they say, man, if I was a Christian like like Joe or, or Ronnie, you know, I'd have it together. I'm inspired to do better, to do more. But instead, everybody's around them is just like them, and so nothing changed. I, uh, the, the BBE version, I forgot what that means, but it's in there. It says, but the upright are without fear. Let's say it together. The upright are without fear. Well, who's the upright? Well, there's lots of people upright. You can be dumb as a stump. Not know that you are righteous, 
but absolutely be washed in the blood, absolutely be a son and daughter of God, absolutely go into heaven and have the victory all over you, but inactivated. You know, you can have a key to a door, but until you put that key in and turn it, you're going to have to bust that door down with your shoulder. There's no way to get in. So you can have a 300 pound uh, uh, shoulder or you can have a three ounce key. There's less bruises when you have the key. Amen. So we've got keys that we're not using or not, we're not aware of or that we're just surrounded by people that are natural, that are carnal, that are worldly, that don't know they're the righteousness of God. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm not talking about people that aren't born again. We know how they act. But we're talking about Christians that have a born again experience, can point to a day, said, I gave my life to Jesus on this day. And I was water baptized, and I'm a child of God, but yet be petrified. The wicked flee when no one pursues. That would describe them. They're running from trouble in every direction. Well, I, th I thought about this, and I said, well, there's two ways to be made righteous. You could uh, be righteous by never having committed an unrighteous deed or never said an unrighteous word. Would that make you righteous? I think so. In other words, if you never did anything unrighteous, you'd be righteous. Well, we know the Lord Jesus was righteous by that, by that. The only other way you can be righteous, in my estimation, is that if you were made righteous, if you were made righteous by identifying with whom, him who made you righteous. Now, there'd have to be a process. You'd have to be absolved of your unrighteousness. It'd have to be something happened that your unrighteous past and your unrighteous present and your unrighteous future, things that you say, that do, I do, it'd have to be taken care of. In other words, we'd have to be washed of unrighteousness and been made righteous by that act. Well, that's what happens to the new born-again person. We've been made righteous. Could I have better amen? We've been made righteous. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's, you, you, matter of fact, you can't get around it with your head. You, you can't figure it out and say, oh, I know how that happened. No, you don't. You just have to accept it by faith down here and live out of this part. Because your head will be like a pinball. It'll just be back and forth. Some days you're, I got the victory. And the other days you're a worm trying to find a rock to get under. You know, it's just back and forth, back and forth. And those Christians, the Bible said, are unstable, and James says that they can, they're, they're tossed to and fro like every wave, and they can not receive anything from God. Well, I know those people. I used to be one of those people. Would you, did y'all used to be? But, and I'm in transition, I mean, because I'm, right, I'm reinforcing, you're reinforcing your new identity against the identity that people say you are. Because when you're around people that don't believe, you're tempted to go to unbelief and just say, yeah. Because you, when, you, when you tell them, I spoke to the storm, <laughs> they take a step back and say, say what? Yeah. But that's what the righteous do. We speak to squall lines. We speak to circular wind. We speak to destructive weather. And we say, not on my watch, not in my house, not in my city, not in my... We speak to it. Because Jesus told us to. So, but it, religious, it's like, well, no, we got to be afraid first and just hope for the best. Sometimes we don't know how far we've come. 
because we came incrementally. We were born again in an instant of time, but our minds are being renewed day by day. So there's bad stuff going out, negative stuff going out, little stuff going out, and stuff from the kingdom is coming in. And we're always transacting like a, like a transfusion, a blood transfusion. They take the old out and they put the new in. Well, they don't empty you completely out and say, well, okay, that was the last drop. Okay, Ned, put in, put in five quarts. Uh, you know, there's a little time lapse in there. You, you need to have blood all the time. So that's the way it is with renewing your mind. We're in transfusion. Stuff's going out. It's got to go. Stuff's coming in. that has got to come. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 5. And let's get into the New Testament and find out what happened. Because that's the only thing we're looking for. Family, you're not looking for the, the mark of the beast. You're not looking for, uh, you know, what's the name of the fourth white horse. or We're not looking for, uh, does God do, does he know the secrets of your name? We're not looking for stuff like that. Can you, can you pray people back from the grave? We're not looking for stuff like that. We're looking, what we're investing our lives in as Christians is to find out who I am in him. Because when I know who I am, when I know what's been transferred to me, when I know what the title is at the courthouse, so to speak, and I know what happened at the new birth, then and only then I know whether to, I can speak to the wind. If you don't know you have power over the wind, you're not going to stand up and speak to it. You have to know who you are. I have, a pow- I have authority over the wind, over destruction. You've got to know who you are to know what you can do. And then you've got to know who you are to know what you have. Can you believe God for increase? Can you ask him to increase your treasury so that you can go and do the things that are in your heart for the kingdom? You've got to know. Well, if you're a worm, if you're a condemned worm, if you're, a, if you're like an unbeliever, you can't ask God because you're never good enough. You'll never be good enough because we all mess up. Uh, we do mess up. And, it would, and, and there, the Bible says there's a ministry of condemnation. In other words, if a preacher stands up here and condemns you and says, you sorry buzzards, you, you're not, God's mad at you and he's throwing judgment on you. That'll straighten a few things up. For a day or six, it'll, it'll straighten things up. Yeah, I need to do better. I, I, it's wrong that I did wrong and all that. But after the sixth day, it'll be like being on a diet and mama making a chocolate cake. Whew, that diet went out the, out the door. We're going to eat tonight. <laughs> Two pieces, please. <laughs> you know that's how it is. We forget about the condemnation and straightening up, and we go back. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5 Wherever I sent you, this is the new address. Verse 21. Now here's an amazing, an amazing, an amazing scripture. This is truth. This is a kingdom pivot point for your life. Because based on what this word, this scripture, this verse says, you can change everything about who you are. Your identity, what, what, what happened at the new birth, what happened at the cross, what happened at the resurrection of the dead, what happened to me? I know historically what happened to Jesus, but what does it mean to me? Was there any overflow? Was there anything that slopped over into my life that I could say because of what he did, I'm this? Well, we all know and we all agree and, and all the churches say, we agree that what happened then will send you to heaven someday. They're not in disagreement about that. We're all going to heaven. Can I have a better amen? Yeah. 
We're all going to heaven. But the thing is, is I want to live several years here on the earth. I, I, I don't want to quit at 60 or 70. I, if that's always waiting, if heaven's not a thing that says you can miss, I want to live this life and then go there too. And that's where the church, the so-called church, that's where they're messed up. Verse 21, though, straightens it out. It says, for he, God, hath made him, Jesus, look what he made him. He made him to be sin for us, to be sin for me, to be sin for me, to be sin. In other words, he took it away. Well, who could do that? Only Jesus could do that. And only his blood, which was sinless, he had never sinned. There was no iniquity in him. There was no pollution in him. He was undefiled. He gave his life, which was undefiled, for my death, for your death, for, for, for the thing that damned us and, and judged us and condemned us. He said, I'll take care of that. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Well, what happened? It says, who knew no sin. What happened? That we, the transaction, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, that's powerful. It changes everything. It, it takes you out of wormdom into kingdom. Takes you out of defeated into victory. It takes you out of condemnation into righteousness, justification. It takes us out. When we find out that's what happened, and if I enter into that happening by getting born again, the Bible says I take on all of the price that He paid for me and for you. You go, that's too easy. I, I need to walk across. Uh, the water and climb every mountain and hot glass and I need to suffer to be a good Christian I need to suffer but that's not what the Bible says the Bible says that Jesus took the whole cost or the whole price on himself he said I got this you ever checked out in a restaurant you've been with someone and and uh, and uh, they out fumble you at the at the my father-in-law always said that they, they somehow found me, well, let's see, one of God, where, you know, and you're already paid out and out in the car. Well, Jesus didn't outfumble us. He said, I got this. And he's got all of it. Well, what am I supposed to do? Receive it. And that's plenty. Because we're so condemned and so judged and so raised up in a, in a culture where all people are the same. See, our culture, we, we say, why are those people rioting? Why are those people killing? Why are those people doing this crazy stuff? And it, they're just people, just like us. Why are they doing it? We, it shouldn't be a surprise. They're sinners. Their father is the devil. Remember when Jesus said that they are of their father the devil? If you're not born again and refathered from above, you, your father is the devil. Because that's what Adam made us. So why are these people killing, stealing, and destroying? Because that's what their father does. And they don't have any, any power or authority, no self-righteousness in him to do different. Why don't Christians do it? Because we've been changed. And we're not just people anymore. We look like them. We act like them. We pay our bills like them. But that's not who we are. We are kingdom people. In the Amplified, the word says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, that so that in and through him 
we might become, it says, you know, the, the Amplified is the multiple choice version here, that we might, that we ought to be approved and acceptable in right, in right relationship with him by his goodness. Well, that's just the long route, the scenic route to saying we've been made righteous. How righteous? As righteous as Jesus. Now, that's the big bite. You know, well, Jesus is in this class and I'm in this other class. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says that, uh, uh, why do I not? Let me just, let me just read it to you. Uh, I lost it. <laughs> oh, that he's the firstborn. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That, he, that Jesus, in, in John 3.16, it says he's the, uh, the only begotten son. But in Romans chapter 8, it says that he's the, he became, because of us, he became the firstborn among many brethren. Say it together. He's the firstborn among many brethren. So he was the only begotten son, but now there's more sons. Here I am. So he's the firstborn among many brethren. Well, that elevates me without taking him down. That means that the righteousness that he is because of what he did for us, was imputed to me. In other words, I got a promotion up, and suddenly I'm somebody special, and all I did was receive someone that's special. And it was contrary to what we feel like sometimes. The Passion says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God, listen to this, through our union with him. My union with him, my union with him, not just someone I know. And so people that are always falling in and out of salvation, it's like, well, I messed up pretty good. I don't know if I'm saved anymore. Well, you're wrong. That's a wrong way of looking at it. We became in union with him at the new birth. We became one with him. And we say, you know, you can't unscramble eggs. There's two of them in there and we whipped them together and. They're in union with one another. And that's what happened. So you can't be unborn again. Now, you can be a sorry little scrapper. You can sit on the couch all your kingdom life. You can do nothing. You can even cuss a little and, and do what sinners do, whatever they do. You can do all that, and you go, well, that means they're not born again. Well, it means they ought to do better, but I ought to do better. Could I have an affirmation there? We all could do better. We all should, should do better. Well, if you do a lot of you should do better, you could lose your, your salvation. Really? Where's that line? Well, you know, if you, if you, I don't know, if you just do bad things. Well, bad things to who? That, it's not. It's either in or you're out. You're either born again or you need to get born again. You're not a backslid. You can be backslid. We've all been backslid. Backslid just means that you're less today than someday in your life. So I asked this question, so I'm going to ask you this question. Can you go to heaven if you don't know if you're good enough? Think about that with me. Can you go to heaven if you don't know, you don't know if you're good enough? Well, that's like the bathroom scales trying to take your temperature. We talked about that. It's like taking your thermometer and saying, well, I've, lost, I've gained a pound here. Then take it out. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, can you go to heaven if you don't know if you're good enough? Well, it takes faith to know you're good enough. It takes faith to believe 
He hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made, might be made, without feelings, without a light coming down, without a, seeing our name in the lamp. It's going to take faith just to go past feelings and say, I'm the righteousness of God in him, period. That's the end of it. That takes faith. That takes down here. Because up here, you're going to feel like a worm, especially after you sin. I don't feel like the righteousness of God in him. That's right. Because it's not by feelings. So can you win in life if you don't know you're good enough? Can you get the victory in your life if you don't know if you're good enough to have the victory? Or are you going to say when something bad happens, God's mad at me because I'm not good enough? Or he's mad at me because I should have known better? Is that, is that how it works? That's not how it works. I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter how I feel, what's going on, what I did, what I'm thinking about in my imagination. Y'all look so holy out there, but I know what y'all think about. Because <laughs> we all think that way. We all have unrenewed minds in some way. So can I, can I live a victorious life? Not very easy. You need to know who you are. Because when the, when the wind blows in on your life and you're swamped in your boat, so to speak, you need to not just say, well, God's mad at me. I got to take it. I got to just take it because God, God's in control and God knows better. And, and I guess we just got to take it. You don't know who you are. We're children. We're sons of God. And we would take God to a court down here based on that kind of thinking and say, uh, your honor, this God over here is guilty of child abuse. He sent disease on his children. He, he, he broke their legs. He, he drowned them in a boat. We find this defendant, God, is guilty of child abuse based on the doctrine of most of the church. And you go, that's crazy. That's what people accuse God of all the time. He is not good to the bone. He's, he's got a little streak in him. So I wrote down some things. You always like it when I write down some things, so they're questions. Uh, let's just think about it. Most churches, and we won't say ours, but we do step over into this every once in a while. Most churches sing, they sing by putting the victory for the born-again man after death. Those are the someday songs. Someday we'll, be, we'll, we'll have us a little cabin on the other side. Jesus said you'll have a mansion on the other side. And that you can live in a mansion now. Whatever mansion means to you. In the Philippines, a rich man is one that has a paid-for bicycle. Wow. Here we'd go, not so much. But if you're rich, you're rich. If you feel rich, you're not impressed by indoor plumbing because you just hit the handle and it happens. <laughs> but if you don't even have the porcelain thing in your house and you're going out into the woods every day, you're impressed with indoor plumbing. So we're rich, and we don't even know it. So Christians are asking God, we, we have Christians that are asking God to do more than, uh, excuse me, asking God to do things that he's already done. Now this is famous. Churches are asking God, people are praying for God to do things that he's already done. God send the power. He's already sent the power. Listen to me. I, this is going to hurt a little bit for some, uh, but uh, he's already sent the power. So what power would he send? He sent the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is all the power there is. Yeah. 
God's not holding back a little power back there saying, if they ask me nice, pretty pleased with sugar on top, I'll send them more power. That's not how it works. He sent the power. Well, where is it? You got to believe you receive when you pray. You got to say, I've got the power. You have to acknowledge, I've already got the power. Are you born again? Are you spirit filled? You've got all the power there is. Well, where is it? You and I have to activate it. I have to activate it. I have to lay hands on the sick. They will recover, but I have to activate it by laying hands on the sick. I have to speak to the mountain. How much power is in me? I'll speak to the mountain based on that. Well, God sends some power so we can speak to the mountain. Or we'll say, God, move the mountain. God don't move no mountains, if I can say it that way. Well, I can't. God doesn't move any mountains anymore. Now, in the Old Testament, God was in charge. God was in control because there was no Holy Spirit inside. And Jesus had not come. And they had no way for God to communicate with them and no way for power to be manifested. The only thing that God did in the Old Testament is he put power, the anointing, on the prophet, the priest, and the king. And if you could go find that man or that woman, you could touch some power. But outside of that, you had to just wait on God. I put down here, Christians asking God to do what he cannot do. In other words, we're asking God to make people nice. Like that's a prayer, like that's something God could do. Like we go, God, make, make Johnny Bob, make him nice. He's mean to me. God doesn't answer that prayer. Are y'all hesitating? He doesn't answer that prayer. That's not in, that's not in here. It tells you how to pray for those people. It tells you how to, to walk in love with them and to get your feelings unhurt the same way they hurt them. It tells us how to react and how to act, but it doesn't ever say God says, boy, I got a big job today. I got to make a whole bunch of mean people unmean. He's never, he's never said that, and he's never answered that prayer. I wrote down here, asking God to bind the devil. Now, we have a whole chapter in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, first or second Corinthians chapter 12. It's one of the two that talks about Paul saying, I besought the Lord three times to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And he said, but the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you've already got the power. You bind the devil. You take authority over the devil. Heaven's already sent the power, the authority. You got to say, I got to read the Bible and believe the Bible. Because it's in the Bible. Well, I don't feel like that's the best. I think I can ask God to bind the devil. Well, you're still going to have to deal with that devil because he's not being bound. Am I right? I mean, these are simple things, but they're powerful. Uh, we sing in churches all over the nation every Sunday. We sing about uh, there only being rest from a hard-fought life when we get to heaven. Just over in the... What is that song? Over in the glory land. Over in the glory land. We're in the glory land. Well, you go, there's no devil over there, but I have been given power and authority over the devil. Well, there's no sickness over there, but by his stripes I'm healed. Well, there's plenty of money over there. The streets are a gold. He became poor that I through his poverty might be made rich. Faith is required on this side, not over on that side, but... 
We're not waiting for the glory. We're not waiting to die and be gone. You go, finally, Uncle Bob got some victory. Uh, here's what churches sing. They sing about us enduring. Enduring on this side, faithfully enduring, putting up with the devil, putting up with people, not speaking to the mountain, just, just being a mouse, being a doormat, and someday we'll get rewarded for our patience and our endurance. But that if you ever lose it and just say, I ain't taking this anymore, this is the end of this, I'm going to blow up something. They say, those Christians say, you won't have any victory. We already got the victory. In other words, people are praying for things that have already been given. This is hard on them. I know this is an anti-religion uh, message. Hallelujah. Well, uh, on the same thing where people are enduring suffering and lack and torment, thinking that if I'm patient with it, just a doormat, someday, if I'm patient, it will develop faith in me. Listen, if I'm patient with troubles here, it'll develop faith in me to endure to the victory. But that's not how faith is made. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith arises by hearing and hearing by the word, not by going through trial. Going through trial will just make you a lot of trials. You'll have a story. I want to tell you my story. Well, when's the victory side of the story? Well, when I die. That's not what the Bible says. The victory side is right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, and this is lastly. I thought of this. It's like on this side, Christians don't think you know God. You just know him vaguely, and, and here it is, and that he can change his mind on a whim. You never know what God's going to do. God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Do you know that's not in the Bible? The Bible says that even in the Old Testament, God does nothing without telling his prophets, his man, what he's going to do. He does nothing. And here, the New Testament tells us he's in here. And Holy Ghost, is by the still small voice, is telling you what to do. He's been made unto us wisdom. Wisdom for what? Is it good wisdom or, or sorry wisdom? Jesus' wisdom. I'd say it was probably pretty good. Probably first quality, top shelf. He's been made unto me wisdom. Well, you just never know what God's going to do. Yeah, you do. It's in here. It's in the book. And it's in here. It's in him. He's talking to me. Well, I want him to scroll it on the wall. I want him to give me a sign, the fleece or something. That's Old Testament because they did not know God. But I know him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I'm his sheep. <laughs> he is my shepherd. And he's talking to me. Did you know if you get in your car after this message, after this service, and there's nothing coming out of the radio, it's because... It's not on. But as soon as you hit the little dial and turn it and it clicks and you hear it on, well, you know, doodle-doodle-doo is coming on. You go, well, it was there all along. But I had to turn it on to hear it. You don't like doodle-doodle-doo? Just switch it over here and, and there'll be another station. There'll be something else. God's talking all the time. Amen. So uh, turn to Romans chapter 5, if you would, with me. We... Uh, Pretty much exhausted that, would you say? We kind of, we kind of daub the religious folks 
Well-meaning. Now, don't, don't get, get what I'm saying mixed up with bad people. They are the best folks in the world. They are well-meaning, and they're, they're humble about it. They're humble, and they're contrite. They're easygoing. They're the best. We're not disparaging who they are, but just telling you they don't have a victory. They've been misinformed or uninformed. And when I was in that atmosphere growing up, I was misinformed. It wasn't just like we didn't talk about it. We talked about it and said, it's not happening. You don't know what God's about to do, and don't ask. And if something bad happens to you, don't gripe. Don't say, I'm disappointed. Don't do it, because God's in control, and there's wisdom here, and He knows what He's doing, and you don't know. And it just wasn't true. Don't you know what your father's doing, your natural father, your natural mother? Don't you know what's going on with him? Well, yeah, she lives in Birmingham, or she lives, he lives in Austin, or whatever. You know what's going on. It's not like, ah, i got to get off that. So when do the promises apply? When, this thing is full of promises. When do they apply? If you listen to religion, if you listen to just the, the default that's out there, you would say they apply after we go to heaven. But why would he write them in here if they're not for here? Why would he tell us about things of, that, are, that are powerful and victorious over a real devil, over real flesh, over real sin, which are our enemies, which are the tormentor of our soul? Why would he say, nah, you can't have any of that? That's for someday when there's no devil and there's no torment. It doesn't even make sense. Romans chapter 5, if you look there with me, it says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that verb. It says we have, as in right now. I have peace. Is the world crazy? Absolutely. It's just a whirlwind around us. But in the midst of the storm, because of the promises, I have peace right now. Well, I got to go up to the mountains to get peace. Nah, you, you're, you're just getting soul peace when you go to the mountains or the beach or wherever you go, I go. We just, we just relax our soul. It's kind of like taking a drug or an opioid where you, you just shut out the world and you look at birds and squirrels and moose and whatever we look at when we go to the, to the, to the getaway place. But it doesn't give you the peace down here because as soon as you cut, drive out of that place, it, it all starts coming back. We have to have peace down here. So in, we're in the midst of the storm. I mean, there's old Billy all around us, and we're going, I'm not moved by that. I know the promises. In uh, Romans chapter 8, that's where Barry read. Let's, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Ah, oh, we're going to look at some verses that are for today. The promises that are for right now. Say right now. Right, right now. And you're, if you're waiting, you're waiting too long. Because the devil's eating your lunch, and Andrew Womack says, and popping the bag. There is therefore, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. How much? None. Zilch. Nada. There is therefore now no condemnation. To who? To who? Well, them that walk, them that are perfect, them that are sinless, them that go to church all the time. No. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Period. And then he explains it in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made, has made, has made. 
not will, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Has made me. I've been. It's a now thing. Not when I go to heaven. Has made me free. Look in uh, Romans chapter 8 where Barry also took us. Well, I guess that's where he really took us. Uh, I like verse 37. Nay, in all these things. So it's talking about all sorts of troubles. Nay, in all these things. The, we could say in America right now, the most blessed nation on the planet. And that's ever been. We got more troubles. We, we could drown a herd of horses with all the troubles that are going on. He said, nah, nah. We'll put it in Alabama. Nah. Why? Because in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. He put something in us at the new birth that's powerful. Colossians chapter 2. A little faster if you don't mind. Colossians chapter 2. I'm right. You're right. Come on. We're right. right. Say it with me. I'm right. I'm always right. I'm always right. You go, "Ah, I don't know about that. We read Romans last week about uh, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But on the other hand, we ought to think as highly as we are. It would be grievous to take the blood of Jesus that made us who we are and say, and say, it wasn't enough. I'm a worm because the blood wasn't enough. Now that's dangerous because it was worth it. It paid the price. It was enough. It says in Colossians chapter 2, I shall go there myself. Two verse uh, 10. Here's another promise. And ye are complete in him. Let's turn that around and put it in first person. Point yourself and say, and I am complete in him. When? Someday, some way. No, right now. I'm complete in him. Well, God's just working, working on me. No, he's not. God's not through with me. Yes, he is. What does he have to do? Everything that's left to be done is on my side. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Walk by faith and not by sight. That's me stuff. Be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Increase in the knowledge of God. Is that something we should pray? No, that's me. You speak to the mountain. Say, mountain, you're obstructing my view. Get out of here. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth. Me? Me bind? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's me. So good. This is just so good. What Did we finish? Yeah, uh, verse 10 says, You are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Well, if I'm complete in the head of all principality and power, I got some stuff, y'all. You got some stuff. He didn't say, well, you're just a trailer behind the Lord Jesus, and you could be unhooked at any moment. The chain might break. He said, no, you're in the driver's seat. We're running this thing. And absolutely, he is the head. Absolutely, he is in totally. Uh, we're not taken away from him a bit, but he, he elevated us. Man's always trying to make us lower, to make him higher. But he's high. He just raised us up. We always say you can't lose with the stuff we use. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's see if there's anything. One more. Let's go to Ephesians, and then we'll... We'll just say we're going to be through today.
because there's plenty more where this came from. Do you all know that? <laughs> chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 21. Uh, boy, where do you start? Well, let's go back up to verse... Uh, gosh, where do you start? <laughs> uh, 17. The girl said 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, why? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know right now on this planet, on this, in this life, that you may know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints right now. Right now. And what, and what else, Lord? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to meward? Can y'all read that? To meward. To usward, but it's personal. To meward who... Believe. I believe. Do y'all believe? I believe. So he's he said, this is for you. This is this is an invitation to a party that's got your name on the envelope. And he says that you may know what the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his barely get along and insufficient power. Or does it say according to his mighty power? The word mighty there is the word dunamis, which is the word miracle working. We walk on the water if we have to. And then he said, we're just now getting on it, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's when it happened. And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That's where it happened. Where's that? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. That pretty much covers it. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet. Well, now, what's that mean? He's the head of something, and we're the body of something. So we're in the same body. He's the head, we're the body, but we're complete in Him. He's just a different part than we are, and, uh, and has given, and to be the head over all things to the church, to us, the body of Christ, which is His body, the fullness of Him, which, which uh, filleth all in all. Now, y'all, this is a victory message because it's to a victory life. We're not making this stuff up. If anything, I'm accused as being a pastor. I got more scriptures than anybody. Nobody gets up with a full three by five card, Barry, and I got it filled from the top to the bottom. And sometimes I have more than one scripture on, on the line. I get these scriptures up here. We're out of the Word. We're in the Word. We prove everything by the Word. If we can't prove it by the Word, we're going to either look or we're going to walk away from it. Because it's the Word that makes us strong. It's the Word that verifies. So we're just going to say, by faith, I'm always right. Well, the proof of anything is walking it out. Now, people say you can't prove heaven, and that's, that's right in the sense of the experience. You can talk to some guys that have been to heaven and come back and you go, how was it? Well, it was this and Lord Jesus that and Abraham this. And you go, wow. And then you go talk to somebody else that also came back from heaven and you say, well, what about heaven? And they'll say, well, it was Jesus and it was this and that. And they corroborate they, everything. But if you don't believe in that, then believe this. That makes heaven real is that though you can't verify heaven, naturally speaking, you can verify these promises. Yeah. You can give and it'll be given to you. Well, that verifies the promise. You can bring your tithe in the storehouse and, and the Lord will say, I'm going to open for you the windows of heaven. There'll be so much that you'll have trouble picking out what's the thing for you today. 
You can forgive. You can walk in love. You can walk by faith. You can speak to the mountain. What will happen? It will move. Well, when you speak to the mountain and it moves, and that's true, then maybe heaven's true. And maybe the other scriptures are true, like by his stripes you were healed. Maybe that's true. What if the Bible was true? What if these scriptures were actually literally true? What if all of them were true? What if every one of them was absolutely heaven's take on our life? Wow, we'd have a great life. But we can't get our head around it. Oh, there's so, so many theologians, you read about them. And they tell you, well, Paul didn't really do this. He was in another city, and his donkey just had a nick on his ear. And, and yeah, they just start tearing it apart. You can't get around it up here. Because right. if you want to discredit something, there's a way. You could bring me down. You could find things in my life and take me to the ground. Or you can look with another perspective and say, that's a pretty good old boy. That Michael's a pretty good old boy. So it's just your perspective. I'm a believer. Matthew 25 says, be easily persuaded to believe. Point to yourself and say it with me. Be easily persuaded to believe. It'll go good for you. It'll go well for you. We just have so much time. Now, I don't know how much it is, but the Lord does. And no doubt, there's just so much time left. If I told you it was 400 days, you'd go, I better giddy up. If I told you it was, it was the weekend after next, you'd say, we better double giddy up. But it's just so much time. It's already picked out. The Lord's not waiting for things to happen in Jerusalem, everything. He's already picked the day because he already knows what's going to happen. He already, he already looked ahead and said, well, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. I pick that day. And then we look back and say, what day is it? Well, there's just so many days between now and then. We better giddy up. Because heaven's waiting on us. Everything about heaven is true. Actually, it's more true. So in the name of Jesus, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're just blessed to be a blessing. And we're easily persuaded to believe, Father. You won't, you won't find hard heads in here. You won't find cranky Christians in here. You won't find us trying to wiggle out of what you said is true and find a harder way that's religious and not true. We're going to go your way. We're going to walk by faith and not by our senses. It's, it's going to be a challenge. We'll have to be in the spiritual realm, but gosh, that's who you made us. And so that'll be easy. We give you praise, Lord Jesus, for helping us. We give you praise for helping our nation and our king, our president, our vice president, our Congress. We ask you, Lord, for peace in our nation in Jesus' name. And you said we'd, have, we'd live in all peace and, and peaceableness. What does it say in Timothy? said we'll live good if we pray for our leaders. I know that. So we pray for them, Lord, and we ask you to help them and unwind things. We bind the devil, the demon spirits that are above our government right now, trying to wreck what the Lord Jesus is doing. And we take authority over them. That's our power. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a good word. I, I wouldn't brag on me, but I'd say Holy Ghost was in fine style today. Yay. Because it, uh, it straightens up what's crooked. Uh, Y'all all knew this. There wasn't anything new here today. There wasn't anything. We just, uh, we just put in another coat of paint. You know, your wall's got a color on it, but you want to put another coat on it to make sure it stays pretty. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, before the service, we prayed 
several things that came up by Holy Ghost. And I want to just tell you about them so that you'll, that you'll agree with what the Lord said before the service. Uh, he talked about chronic pain, getting rid of it, having dominion over chronic pain. Something you've lived with for 10, 15, maybe most of the years of your life. He talked about uh, houses that we're going to live in better houses. It doesn't mean you have to move, but an update or an improvement or adding on this or that. He talked about believing Him for, what does it say in Deuteronomy? They, they lived in goodly houses? Goodly houses. So if you're not happy with your house and you go, well, God, God's not involved. He is involved, but you got to say, He's already appropriated that. And so, and then we, we talked about like what we talked about last week about jobs. Jobs and better jobs. Don't let that go. Don't say, well, it's one and done. We prayed that one time. We'll see if God does it. And if He doesn't, whatever, whatever. That's wrong thinking. Get engaged and say, the Lord visited us and said jobs. So I'm going to stay on this. And here's how we do it. We thank Him for our job, our better job. We don't let it go. We press in, we press in, we press in. What else did he talk about? Restoration, yes. Restoration in our families. Now, I've never seen so much mess in families. It's just a mess. Misunderstanding, being offended, just being uh, doing wrong and not... Be he said he wanted restoration, so I believed I received it when we prayed. And then the other thing, it seems a little carnal, but he talked about us having better vehicles, that there's a time. Now, when I was... Uh, younger in the ministry, he would speak to us and say, it's time to believe me for a car. Because, you know, it wasn't like it was falling apart, but he knows when it's going to fall apart. And he says, yeah, you ought to trade that thing off before, uh, before you have to buy a new transmission. I don't know how that works for the other guy, but, you know, he ought to be filled with God and say, I ain't buying that car. <laughs> so he talked about cars and better cars that we'd get in faith. Now, when the window opens, when there's a portal open and the Lord says, well, there's an ankle here or a, a, a tooth there, those sort of things we understand. But when he says things that are like to all of us, you go, what's that all about? It's God giving us unction to move in that realm together. Some things are individual. Some things are together. So I would say, no matter what you're driving, say, it's time for a better car. Maybe you just got one and you don't need one. Maybe you're supposed to get a better car for somebody else. Wow, we wouldn't do that. Not unless you're spiritual. And we are. You go, where I'd get the money? Well, when you believe him for somebody else to get a car, the money comes. The money doesn't come first, and then you get in faith. You get in faith, and then the money comes. You go, that'd be a miracle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would. That'd be good. We are a generous people. We are generous. We say there's plenty more where that came from. So we're just administrating the kingdom. I'm just administrating the kingdom. It's none of it mine. But he knows if he sends it to me and says, I want this to go there, that's where it goes. He's looking for people that say, this is not my money. It's in my account, but that says, this is his money. So, Father, we thank you for speaking to us, encouraging us, blessing us. What a marvelous future in front of every one of us. A marvelous plan to be prayed out and lived. We thank you, Lord. Our future is bright. 
bright, bright. There is no negative. There is no dark September coming to us. We are living above. We're in Goshen. And I ask you to bless every one of us, Lord, in our coming in and our going out. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, amen. Hug somebody before you go out, or if you can't do that, just pat on them, or just wave at them. Whatever, whatever you can do this morning, release your life into somebody's life.